Welcome to Aquifer's Educator Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Robbins. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Dilapo Babalola about how she uses aquifer cases in highly interactive group learning sessions that encourage peer learning and the development of clinical reasoning skills. Dr. Babalola is an associate professor of family medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine. There, she's both director of the Family Medicine and Rural Health Clerkship and director of Family Medicine Undergraduate Medical Education. Dilapo, I'm so excited to speak with you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I love the opportunity to learn from others and share my story and how we incorporating aquifer cases in the Department of Family Medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine. Could you just tell me a little bit about the teaching that you do? So we have a six-week family medicine clerkship, and the beauty of it is it's integrated both local as well as a rural rotation. The very first week is orientation week, and then we have four weeks, which is the second to the fifth week, where they split two weeks on the local and two weeks on the rural, and then the very final week is exam week. So within that period, we integrate both aquifer cases, we do some MBME, they have clinics, of course, they have inpatient, so it's multifaceted. I understand that during their time in the rural setting, is it that students are less connected than with you than they might otherwise yes, be? Yes, absolutely. So that was our situation where our students were not as connected, not to when they return back to local, that we get to see them and we get to interact. And that's why we had the unique nature of where the very first week everyone was together. So we used quite a number of the aquifer cases, get them acclimatized with the, the cases, and do a little bit of orientation here and there. So no clinical work in the first week. And then we had them split in two groups, and then they return in the third week, and then they switch. The group that went to rural would come back to local. And we didn't have that connection with the group that went to rural until they returned. And so we decided that we needed to find a better way to engage our students while they were off-site. So tell me how um, you initially incorporated uh, the aquifer cases into your curriculum. When I started as clerkship director nine years ago, I just followed the pattern, right? What my previous clerkship director was doing. And at the time, you had fewer cases. Aquifer had fewer cases. I think it went from 12 and then it went to 33 and then 40. But at the time, even when we had less numbers, they kept students complaining. Oh, I like the case, but they were busy work. I was on my own. So what was done during that period was orientation week. That was as much as they got. They would probably get one or two cases with a faculty member facilitating the cases. And then they were left to complete the rest on their own. But then as we continued to increase the cases, having the feedback that they felt was busy work, you know, they felt that they needed more one-on-one and the cases got larger in size and they wanted us to eradicate the cases. And I thought these cases were of great value. Mm -hmm. We were listening to their feedback, but we just needed to be creative about how we can integrate it and cause more engagement. And that was when we transitioned from that format of only having it during the workshop week to incorporating it both while they were on rural and local. Now, the challenge we had was how are we going to get our students on, on the rural side to integrate these cases and not wait for them to return? And that was when we thought about the group clinical sessions where we had everyone come together 
And we had a facilitator, either myself or the, my co-director, to review those cases and model those cases and inquire engagement. And, and so that was where the beauty came in. And we got better feedback. Students were more engaged. We had no more complaints about not only having an increased number of cases, but also they, they found they saw the value in having those cases. Did they call in to participate? You'd have some students who would be on site and doing the case and some people calling in to do them? Yeah. So we had the screen where the students on the rural side would actually zoom in. And then the students on local, we had our conference room. So the students on the rural, they always kept quiet. They weren't as engaged because they felt we had students just sitting right in front of us. So they left all the questions for, for the students on the local side to respond to. And then, of course, COVID hit and we realized that we couldn't even see each other at the time. So we thought, why don't we just make it Zoom for both the students on local and rural? And surprisingly, then we had more engagement because everyone was on the same level. They were able to adapt and everyone I would call on a student on Zoom. You know, everyone was encouraged to have their webcam on and I'll present a case. I told them I was the patient, you know, call me Miss Smith. I'm presenting with a, a history of insomnia because I knew the case. And so they would ask me the questions. And that was how we integrated the cases and digested the cases thoroughly to the extent that we went from the history we went to the physical examination. If they tell me what systems they wanted examined, then I will present the findings. And I role-played and also served as Dr. Babalola, their facilitator, and asked, why did you ask that question? What else could you have done? Or I could say, for instance, my case, patient with insomnia, I'll say, well, I don't know what to do with this medication. What are you going to do? And I in integrated some more questioning and enable them as a group to figure out how to respond. So that was the format that we eventually transitioned into, and that worked out best. So I think people will be curious to know how you set the environment for this type of active learning with role play and... Yes, case well, I'm happy to share that. During orientation, we informed them this was really going to be to test the clinical reasoning skills as a group because you can learn it from each other. And of course we modeled it during orientation. So we changed the approach during orientation. So out of 40 cases, the goal was 20 was going to be student guided while the other 20 was going to be preceptor guided. And then that 20, that preceptors facilitated, we had 12 of them during the workshop week. So it was a five day workshop week and then leaving four Tuesdays. I hope I'm not confusing it. So we had four <laughs> Tuesdays. And each Tuesday were two cases. So okay. it came up to a total of 20. But during the workshop week orientation, they were quite familiar with the pattern we were going to use. They were aware that we needed to test their understanding of the cases. So we were going to go over the self-assessment questions at the end of each case. So they were quite familiar. So when it came to when they were in the clinical setting, we had to prepare the preceptors that please excuse your students from the clinical arena. And that was fine. And then so we started off in that setting. They answered some questions and we went over those questions and then we broke into the modeling where we picked a case. Now, they were not aware of the Aquaphor cases that we were going to do. Okay. We considered whether we needed to do a flipped classroom, but to enable everyone be engaged on the same level, they were not aware. Now, of course, 
towards the end of that case, we inform them the number that we did, the case number, so that they can go back and reflect. A lot of orientation, preparing ourselves, making sure we had the Zoom, the right Zoom account and Canvas as well. Okay, so and so you had the technical support for your side and the students had a set of expectations, which was that they would all participate in this session and they would be active participants. Yes. Students were prepared and they were ready. And it's funny because I didn't have, I didn't need to call on people much because once we built a differential for any case that we were going to go into, so you picked, you selected depression. Well, tell us more about the questions you would ask me as your patient. And if they started off by saying, oh, I would ask you this question, I'll ask you that question. I'll say, well, I'm the patient. Address me as the patient. And that really helped. They had an opportunity to go through 25 self-assessment questions, which is an aquifer after each case, right? So we pulled it together and we put it in Canva, but it was very clearly stated in an email that they received that you are going to go through some questions. So they started off doing that and myself, as well as my co-director would join them after they've gone over those 25 questions and review the questions with them because we already had it set up in Canva. Once they reviewed those questions, we reviewed it as a group. Then we took a five-minute break, stretch yourself, you know, get up, stretch, grab some water or tea. And then we told them, now it's time to go into our group clinical skills session where it's going to be totally interactive. Please share your webcam. If you have to step away, send a message in the chat note because we're going to be called upon and we need to know if you're not there where you were. And I would assign a student and say, monitor the chat box because if I'm the patient, I can monitor that at the same time. And then of course we have the whiteboard where I write down as they bring, as they ask the questions. So it was all engaged, students asking questions, and if a student was done asking the questions, they would call on the next student or whoever, maybe their friends, and say, Do you, you can take it off from here. I've answered as, I've asked as many questions as I, I would like to proceed. And if no one's, if everyone has exhausted all the questions, then I'll say before we move on to examination, does anyone have any other questions that would that you would like to ask to elicit? The, the diagnosis and come up with an assessment and plan. So that's the approach that we always use. And this was all done per case within a 30, 40 minutes. And, and then an opportunity for them to ask questions too, because the students had questions, you know, from each other, from either from me as the patient or why a student had asked a particular question or if they felt that they should have ordered a different lab instead. So that was why it's really 30 minutes, but because of the extra 50 minutes of Q&A, mm -hmm. it stretches us out to 45. I'm curious um, what the student feedback about these sessions was. Yes, the feedback was mostly positive, to be completely candid. For years and years, seeing the complaints about Aquaphor <laughs> and struggling with the fact that at some point we might need to do without Aquaphor. And so it was joy to see that that changed <laughs> and nobody felt like they were abandoned with those cases and it was just busy work. They saw the, the value. You've mentioned that they enjoyed the rehearsal for the words that you would actually say to a patient. 
Joanne Oski, a lot of students said they remembered based on the cases that we all interacted together, helped them to approach the stimulated patients better. Were there other specific bits of feedback that they might have shared with you? So specifically, they said they enjoyed the deeper dive. They found value in it, used it as one of their major resources. You know, you said something really interesting, and I I let it drop, and I shouldn't have. I think you said that the OB folks noticed if a student had had a case previously. Could you talk a little bit about that? So we did get the feedback about students that came from family medicine and were quite comfortable with those cases because they didn't feel like they were brand new to OB cases because we've gone through a few of them. And that was feedback that we received that they had students that were up and running. They were ready to, to, you know, see these patients who were quite comfortable. Yeah. So the cases that you actually end up, that you actually end up doing. Yes. Do you select those before or do you sort of tailor it to the class that's going through? That's that's a great question. So we went over the Apple IV exam and what were those cases that majority of the students didn't excel on? And that's how we selected the cases. We also looked at our MBME because our students do take an MBME exam and which systems were they aiming lower in terms of performance. And that's how we selected the eight cases. What are some of the key takeaways that you would want to share with other educators about using aquifer cases in the manner that you've just described? Well, the key point that I want to stress, and this is any any program can actually engage this form of learning, because the whole idea is to promote an enhanced learning environment. We do need to listen to our students when they provide feedback. But when you're trying something new this way, you want to make sure that it's going to benefit all the students. So key point is definitely get your team involved because it needs to be buy-in from your team. Because as I mentioned, coordinators do a lot of the canvas, put the questions in canvas. I mean, I put, I gather the questions from Aquaphor, but it still needs to be placed in canvas. We do need to send out email reminders. Our students need to be reminded that their laptops need to be working and running well. Of course, there is, you know, for instance, when Wi-Fi is not available, we've had that every now and then, but if they're better prepared and they know when the sessions are going to run, then they make sure that they're equipped. And of course, email reminders, and that comes from the coordinator. In terms of time, you would definitely need to sit back and figure out which cases will give you the most use of your time because, you know, students are able to go to these cases, but we just don't want them to feel like they're on their own. So making sure that they're all engaged and they find value in the time spent together. So I I believe that would be the best way to do it. And that's what has worked the best for us is making sure that students are comfortable and they understand the objectives. And I believe with the objectives clearly stated, they understood that we don't want this to be busy work. We're here to enhance the learning environment. All that will be definitely key factors in ensuring that this will be well used time with the students. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Yes. I think you're doing some lovely work. So thanks Thank so much you. for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thank you again. Any anytime I get to share and learn, it's always a thing of joy for me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week for Aquifer's Educator Connection podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about harnessing group learning 
to develop clinical reasoning skills. Show notes from today's episode with additional links and resources are available on aquifer.org. There you can also find information about our podcast series, our Teaching Perspectives and Pearls blog, and our webinar and web shops. You can subscribe and listen to the series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter to keep up with the latest news. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast, tell a colleague and leave us a review. Until next time, be well. The Aquifer Educator Connection Podcast is a product of Aquifer, your trusted source for clinical learning. It is produced and hosted by Lynn Robbins. The show's executive producer is Eileen Olszewski. Audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Show artwork by Carrie Waters. Our theme music, Little Idea, is written and performed by Scott Holmes. For more information, please visit our website, www.aquifer.org.